Today's episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSense, an expert interview transcript library that integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Start your free trial at www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co slash PMC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Happy New Year and welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. I hope you all had a wonderful and safe holiday season, and I'm looking forward to continuing to provide you the best content I can covering the microcap market. My goal for 2023 is I want to add more topical and news as it happens when I can. Most of you know my podcast for interviews with investors, talking about their investing strategy, philosophy, and sometimes, quote unquote, introducing them to the investing community. This year, I'm going to be actively trying to make more content for this feed that's a bit more timely, current, and how those events impact the microcap community. I'm always looking to grow as a host and producer, so hopefully you enjoy what I'm going to play around with here, and feedback is definitely appreciated. On that note of topical, I invited on Artem Fokin, founder and portfolio manager of Carol Can Capital, to do our version of a 2022 wrap-up in microcaps and whether or not our observations could be indicators of trends for 2023. 2022 was a difficult year for almost everyone's portfolio across the board, especially if you're an active microcap investor. And so we reflect on events that could have been catalysts for those steep declines in microcap stock prices. Artem and I also provide our observations, including our thoughts on who the biggest winners and losers were for 2022. Thank you again for tuning in to the Planet Microcap podcast, and please enjoy my conversation with Artem Fokin. This episode is brought to you by Stream by AlphaSets. You can find them at streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G dot co backslash PMC. Stream is an expert interview transcript library that is starting to become an integral part to investors' research process. They have a number of interviews on a wide variety of companies, including TMT, consumers, industrials, real estate, and more. Stream provides over 300 expert interviews per week, and 70% of their experts are found exclusively on Stream. Stream is unlike any other transcript libraries. Stream integrates AI-generated call summaries and NLP search technology so their clients can quickly pinpoint the most critical insights. Stream's community of experts and thought leaders partner with Stream to build their professional brands and expand their industry influence. Right now, there are approximately 8,500 plus call transcripts available. For more information, please visit www.streamrg.co backslash PMC. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R-G.co backslash PMC. Artem, good to see you, man. How you doing? Happy New Year. Hi, Bob. 
Happy New Year. Happy 2023. We're almost there. I think everybody listening in is probably like, okay, like you just get it. I think I think the out of office emails have gone up uh, starting December first. You know, uh, that's how that's how much people are just kind of looking forward to uh, 2022 being over and going into 2023. At least in microcaps, that's for sure. Well, in that case, let's uh, clarify when we are doing this conversation. <laughs> We're doing, that is a good point. We're recording this on Friday, December 30th. And my goal here, look, we did a, I did a mid-year kind of review of what's been going on in microcaps. And it's funny. Well, it's not funny. But like at the time, it, we just basically talked about how it was a bloodbath for microcaps in the first half of 2022. Safe to say, not much has changed. Um, if if anything, maybe it got worse. Um, definitely didn't get much better. So, Artem, I wanted to start off, you know, in reflecting on 2022. Now that we are here at the end of the year, you know, for you, what what is it? What has this year been like as a microcap investor? Uh, that's a very broad, open-ended question, which can go, which can take us into many many different directions. But before we go there. Let's say this, that it's not only Friday, December 30th. It's actually Friday, well, like four, no, no, 3.30 Eastern probably right now, roughly, yes. 3.20 Eastern. So the market is actually closed because it's an early close on December 30th. So the for investors, the year is over, even though it is technically still about 36 hours before the year is really over, roughly. So, and, uh, and, and by the way, I don't know about out-of-office emails going out on December First, I just had 30 or 30 minutes ago, 40 minutes ago, I finished my most likely last management call of 2022. So I, I, some management teams are working. So I, I was joking. It was a joke. It was an exaggeration. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I was sending a few emails yesterday to, you know, various management teams and I was getting some uh, out of office response. So I think going back to microcaps, is that's a good investment criteria. If you if a CEO of a company is willing to do an investor call on December 30th, that's probably a good sign that they're working. And if you mail them on December 15th, they got out of office response, I'll be back on January 2nd or January 6th. Maybe rethink your investment criteria. That's not about, that's actually not about. So then we have to find our happy medium. So is the out of office if we emailed them on December 27th? Okay. You know, we, you know, some management teams that listen to this, they, I, I'm sure they're taking note, like, okay, next year, December 26th, <laughs> December 26th, not, I'm not taking my vacation starting December 15th. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know what is it, where, it, where that golden middle is, but it's probably exists somewhere. For sure, man. So talk to me. I mean, look, 2022, this is it. You're right. This is the year is over. You know, some got through it. Some of us did. Some of us a little less hurt than others. For you, I mean, uh, what, how'd it go? Talk to me. Listen, you do more one on ones than anybody I know. You and Chris and and Brian do more one on ones than anybody I know. You've talked to management teams. You got the feel, the vibes, you know, what's going on. So talk to me. You know, what's, how was it? Give me your overall your overall thesis, and then we'll dive a little deeper. Okay, look, number one, 2022 is a rough year, I think, for almost any investor I know of, whether it's microcap investor or broader investor. As you know, I invest in microcaps, but not exclusively. So 
many, many people who are in my network and I talk to and stay in touch regularly, that has been a very difficult year. There is no way around it. So that's number one. Number two, when we look more at microcaps and we try to discern certain patterns that we're seeing there, candidly, my response will be, paraphrasing Leo Tolstoy, all microcap companies are happy in the same way and all microcaps companies are unhappy in very different ways. So and I remember I read the book in the original language, so I, my translation into English right now may be not the most common one, but you see what I'm referring to. So I think the patterns of companies that struggle the most in 2022 are somewhat discernible. So number one, if it's a company that has been historically relying on going to public markets to finance its operations, on the premise that they would deliver amazing product or amazing service or amazing revenue growth in 2024, 2025, those companies, rightfully so, probably suffer the most. I generally tend to stay away from those companies. So it has been a little bit easier in that part of the department. So that's number one. That's one pattern that I'm observing. Pattern number two. If the company doesn't need to raise cash, but market things that they would need, they also would get penalized. So that's pattern number two. And here, by the way, is potential opportunity for alpha creation. If you believe that they don't need to raise cash and you think you're right and you have your analysis to back your view and market doesn't think so, that's maybe an opportunity. Holding everything else, assuming that all other investment criteria are met as well. Pattern number three, companies that are relying on a lot of human labor, they probably suffer because wages have been going up. And uh, it's, it's hard for those companies because your wages may be going up today and either because of your business or because of your length of your contracts, you may not be able to increase pricing for several months, maybe for several quarters. So in the meantime, your gross profit margin is getting hit and then it flows through your entire income statement structure. So you could have gone from having a pretty decent earnings to having very, very upsetting earnings in 2022. That's probably another pattern that I think is discernible when we look at the market. And similarly, on the happy side, those companies that are not reliant on the capital markets to finance operations, that are firmly profitable and still can grow, they've done very, very well. Let me rephrase. They've done well operationally compared to others. Their stock price may or may not have reflected those strong operational financial results. There's a few patterns I we're gonna I think we'll go down each one, you know, and, and discuss it because I I I I pretty much agree with everything that you just said in terms of uh those are very similar patterns that I've seen. Um especially the first pattern that you're talking about, where you know, look, with interest rates going up, risk off environment, you know, a lot of these companies if they're relying on going back to the capital markets right now in order to finance operations with the goal of having a product ready for commercial or what, you know, commercial, if that's where they're going or just, just commercialization. 
um, in 2024, 2025. I mean, it's a rough, it's a rough go, even if they're trying, especially even if they're trying to raise uh, capital via debt. Um, I just don't know the path forward for, for a lot of them, you know? Um, I mean, from your, from your experience and cause I mean, look, we've been in other risk off environments. This is a little different is in that it seems that it's, it's more difficult than ever to even access some of that capital in order to continue operations. I mean, do you see it getting any better? Look, uh, sorry, my phone is ringing. I think it's chairman over the Federal Reserve calling. So we can ask him right now. Just let's <laughs> put him on the speakerphone <laughs> if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Should, can, so, you, can you merge him in, actually? Yeah, the, it's, it's exactly what I'm trying okay, to good. do. So, <laughs> look, I don't know the answer. I think most people, if they try to tell the answer, probably guessing. I have a few points, though, on the capital raising. So number one. Most creative teams will figure out how to survive. That's number one. Number two, I have a hypothesis that many companies will still be able to raise capital one way or another, but it just can be a horrible outcome both for the management team, especially if they have a significant ownership stake because they were founders or you know, just acquired their stakes in another way, and potential shareholders. So that's another risk. So I remember several months ago, it may have been even one of your events, Bobby. I'm at the company. Very interesting business, very promising, doing some interesting things. Very fascinating management team to talk to. But it's very clear their capital structure will be determined in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Which means that it's not really investable right now, I feel like, for anybody. And again, as I said, I generally always try, almost always try to stay away from those situations. In this case, I think number of people who avoid those just gonna. And I'm looking at them like, hey, you know, like I how and they're asking for feedback. And my feedback was very honest. Listen, guys, you have a very interesting business. I wish I could invest or consider investing, but I don't know how many shares will be there. It's very simple. Bobby, if I call you and say, Bobby. You need to drop everything in SoCal, get on the flight or in the car and come to visit me in San Francisco Bay Area and we're going to go for a pizza place and it's going to be awesome. And, and I tell you like, oh, Bobby, don't eat anything on the way because you, I want to be really hungry by the time when we get to this pizza shop because it's amazing. Like, trust me, it's the best pizza you ever will have. Guess what? You probably want to know whether it's only you and me joining for dinner and sharing one pizza pie. Or whether they invited 20 other investors and one so and every one of us will get a small tiny piece. Your willingness to come will be different. Same with these situations. Right now, if you cannot figure out it's all if you cannot figure out the capital structure with reasonable range, it's probably very, very difficult to invest because you don't know what your denominator will be. And now just being highlighted. You know what's interesting? Going a little bit further, though, at least from one one observation I'm seeing, is that you know the deals for the non healthcare and even resources have been more difficult to to finance. But healthcare and and resources, I mean, look, those are sectors where you're dealing with companies that good times, bad times, they need to probably raise capital at some point, right? You know, to finance. Mm-hmm. 
you know, drilling operation or, uh, you know, another clinical trial, you know, it seems that those deals are the ones that are kind of almost coming out on top right now, because these are the ones that just, this is, this is kind of just, yeah, good times, bad times. We need to raise capital. So, you know, this is just another, this is just a business as usual, you know, um, it's the, it's I think the, that, yeah, yeah, go. I think there's another factor in play ball before those companies. And remember, sure. I don't do biotech and I don't really do resources. Yeah. So, but my guess would be, especially for biotech, if you biotech doing phase two trial and you need capital, whether you succeed with your underlying business, meaning you develop a successful drug that will be ready for commercialization, whatever, 24 months from now, 36 from months from now, whatever the situation is, remember, I'm not a biotech investor, so my timeline can be really off. That, will, that outcome will have nothing to do or very little to do with economic policy or inflation or Fed exactly. rates or equity markets. So if you, you are really non-correlated with a broader economy, because if you develop a revolutionary drug, it will sell. So it makes sense that those deals right now are easier to finance than, for example, and this is total hypothetical imaginary company, you invented a new software as a service that will help your factory people be more productive, really making this up. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that depends on the factory outputs. It depends on whether uh, your potential clients have the budget for that, how their business is doing. It's a lot more difficult. So it makes sense that Biotech and other probably medical mm, companies are experiencing a little bit less challenges Mm -hmm. than, you know, mainstream microgaps. You know, it's been another pattern. I've noticed, and I, I'm sure you, you know, I, I think you like asking the same question because I ask it to every uh, CEO, whether, you know, on the webcast uh, that we just did for the virtual or on due diligence. I always ask them, you know, what is that inflection point or value catalyst? Especially, you know, we're at the end of the year, so I can always ask, you know, looking ahead to 2023 from what you can tell us. And almost across the board, it's been, we need to execute in 2023 across the board like it just like i mean part of me is also thinking to myself like well shouldn't you've just been executing on your business model in 2022 as well but it's and almost 2021, like and and 2021, you know but but it's but it's it's like almost like a no 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 we have to like it's almost out of desperation it's like 2023 like it has to be this year and in some case i'm always kind of feel bad because i'm like wow you're putting all like this has this now has to be the year that you execute and going into and probably continuing of a similar economic environment that we're in. It's like, all right, you know, like uh, it's putting a lot of pressure on yourself, which you should at the end of the day. But um, I don't know that that's also something that I've, uh, that I've observed as well. And what do they mean when they say execute like ship product sell. or launch a new product? Sell, 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 like ship product, launch, launch and sell prop. Pretty much. That's the main thing. So that's interesting. So yeah. look, there are two problems in business. Not enough sales. That's number one. Number two, everything else. So if they're talking about we want to be selling, 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 that's good. Now, if they're selling, 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 but they are not fixing their profitability issues, if we assume that it's a non-profitable company, or maybe it's a profitable company, but they want to do something else with the cash, so I don't, it's a very interesting 
would be to dig with every of those CEOs, like what execution means for them. Mm-hmm. Because my observation mostly has been, again, it, it varies, right? For And the, the really the di- dividing line is between profitable companies and not profitable companies. And it, it, from my meetings, it seems that those companies that are not profitable, they're like, oh, we need to fix our profitability. Not everybody says that, but many. And you're like, great. So I will see you in 2023 when you fix that. And then we'll talk again, right? So I would be curious to see how many of them deliver on those on that vision and how many of them will not. We'll see. I mean, it's a, I mean, for, for you, where do I want to even go with this? Because at the end of the day, like, it's just as simple as that, right? When, when we're thinking about microcaps, especially in the non-healthcare, non-resources space, that that's just been the general vibe that I've really gotten from every single one is that they need to execute on their business model. And the best point that I think anybody probably listening to this right now that can take away from that, from what you just said is okay. Management team. That's, that's what 2023 is all about. Well, what does that mean to you? You know, is that going to be unprofitable growth? Is that more growth, but also turning profit now? Like what exactly does that mean? And what's your strategy now to execute on that plan? That's been another part of it. Do you, do you ask that follow-up question as well? I'm sure you do. Yes, Bobby. I do dig with that, with management. And I, I'm not sure whether I can see very good patterns there. Because for companies that I talk about that are profitable, and let's say they're in the portfolio. So for them, it's more, well, we want to grow revenue, which they always say that. That's reasonable. We want to keep our customers happy. I want to hear that. Look. There are things that you want to hear in this environment. So, for example, you want to hear from management team saying, listen, right now, our ability to hire people is a lot better because the market is less competitive. We can pick up some better talent. Like, that's what you want to hear. That's very exciting for you as a shareholder or maybe a potential shareholder when you do your research. So that's an exciting part. Another exciting part when you hear from companies, if they can go be a little bit more on their fans. For example, maybe they can actually do a small attack in M&A. Maybe they can come up with some creative deal. So you want to hear those things. Very few of the companies are in the position to do so, to be very, very clear. But if you can see, if you, through your meetings, through conversations, through earnings calls, through press releases, if you can see that pattern, then it's actually very, very interesting. I think my biggest, one of my biggest thing that is a red flag for me is going into this environment with a big plan. You know what I mean? Like a, a big, we're, we, we have like 20 different things that we want to do. And we're, we're going to go into this time period that we're going to do them all. That, that, that causes a little bit of a, okay. I agree. Know. Look, look, I agree. Assume that they're doing 20 things, probability of success for each, let's be generous, 90%. And if you need, in order to succeed, you need all 20 things to work. You multiply 0.9 to the power of 20, and the number is pretty low. So, yeah, you're, you're right. From that perspective, you know, most simple plans are always more easy to execute and pull off, especially in the tough environment. Right. And- and, and the reason I bring that up is because, look, in my in microcap land, you know, it, it's 
you have to discern between like the okay, they have big audacious plan. You know, it's uh, are they just trying to sell you on the idea of like, all right, we have all these different things that we want to accomplish, but you know, maybe if we get a couple of them done, you know, that's also potentially a win because it might wreck. You know, you would hope that it would result in some sort of revenue generation, even if it's not profitable. Um, I don't know. It's it's an it's it's an interesting time. I don't know why. I, I I I it's funny going into this. I was like, all right, let's think of some headlines. But there haven't really been a ton of like real actual headlines that have caused you know the microcap community. Like, oh wow, you know, it's been mostly just like company specific in like an interesting uh you know acquisition that just happened you know that maybe has been on the talked about potentially happening for years or it's uh oh they just raised capital at a really terrible valuation like wow didn't expect that one or you know oh wow they actually are executing on, on the positive side that uh on that they said they were going to do and now they're turning a profit. You know, so it, it it there hasn't been one just major headline. It's just been an it's just been this is where it's times like these when you really and I, again, I'm not saying this to be self-serving, that you really need to be talking with management teams to kind of get a flavor of like what it is of how you know, if people are just kind of giving you the business or kind of being real with you. I agree. I agree. Well, there are a couple of other patterns that I think are worth mentioning. And so number one is they were some M&A activity in the microcap land. Small cap as well, micro cap as well. Yep. So I don't know how prevalent it is because I don't have the data handy. But just anecdotally, I'm, I can come up right now from memory, I think with three recent M&A deals over the last, call it three months, roughly, maybe even two months that were announced. So... And I don't think if we had this conversation with you on December 31st or December 30th of 2021, I don't think I would be able to mention like this in the split of a second, three recently announced m and deals. Do you? Like, would you, do you have the same feeling that there were more announced m and deals, what you're hearing over the last call of two, three months than historically? Yeah, I would say over the last two or three months, there have been more M&A deals no, well, actually, you know what? It's it's only because there's one in particular that like I think everybody has been waiting for for a while to like just a deal to be announced. But in terms of I, I really haven't actually now that I think about it. You know, and and I think part of the reason being is that there's a lot of these companies that are like, why do I want to sell right now when I'm get I'm gonna be selling, you know, for half of what I feel that our business is worth. Right. Well, go back. Well, okay, okay. For that, we can go back. Okay, there, there, there can be plenty of reasons why they will be selling, right? And some of those companies I know better. Some of those companies I just know of them and what they do. And maybe I looked at them two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't have firm opinions on those issues. But let's go back to where we started. Yeah. If you're a company that is suffering in the current environment because you have their own capital structure and you can get acquired, you just solve your cap structure problem. It's and true. the cap structure problem can be you're not profitable and you will need to raise capital in the next six months. As we discussed, it's a very tough place to be. And it, 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 just a small side note, you know, 
very often when I mention to people that, you know, one of the things I do is try to find interesting microcap ideas. People are like, oh, aren't you worried about, you know, fraud or financial controls, etc.? I'm like, look, I'm worried about everything. I'm worried about the same issues for bigger companies as well. But based on my observations, a lot more shareholder value has been destroyed, not because one microcab didn't do proper accounting, but because many microcaps have been really bad at raising capital, burning through capital, and then raising again. So that's just like small side note because it comes up sometimes when I talk to people. But going back to microcaps and M&A, and why they would be willing to get acquired. Number one, they will need to raise capital. Now they solve this problem. Number two, the company may have too much debt. Problem solved. They believe that their earnings, operating earnings, before overhead, before public company costs, etc., may be in a tough place to be in the next few months, maybe a few quarters, who knows. And now they can get acquired by someone who will remove all that corporate overhead which actual operating earnings will be declining, but with no overhead, it's actually still pretty good business with decent earnings stream. That can be another reason why someone will be getting sold. So th- th- I think there are reasons why someone will be willing to do that. For sure. I mean, do you, do you think that could be one of the things to one of the trends we might see going into 2023? There just might be much more m and I mean, in microcaps, that's always one of the things that you kind of think about in terms of... Uh, you know, one, I mean, talking with a few investors, especially if they're, maybe it's more short-term, you know, if they're taking a short-term bet on a company, they're like, all right, they're, you know, this could be something that like, uh, you know, could be sold in six to 12. But I I say that in, in, when we're looking now at 2023, do you think that could be a trend? I don't know. know. I I, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, Number one, I don't have a sufficiently big sample size to draw conclusions. And as I pointed out at the beginning, it's just more of an anecdotal observation and like, oh, over the last two or three months, I can mention three companies that announced deals. So I don't know whether it's a pattern or whether it's just small sample size of the companies that popped up in my head. I don't know. What I would say, Bob, is that in order for someone to get sold or to be sold, someone needs to buy them. So we need to look who is that universe of buyers. It can be strategics, can be private equity, but someone needs to buy them. So I think I would almost, if we were to, if you and I had a goal of trying to predict M&A activity in 2023 for microcaps, I would almost go from there. Will there be capital available to, for M&A from the acquirers? And who are those likely to be? I would probably go backwards. I think there will be. Actually, then we may see more MA. Then we may see more MA. Now, if you, and again, if you look at bigger cap names, there were a number of you know, headline big transactions where very reputable private equity firms have been announced in deals to buy similarly interesting companies with very good tech product. And again, we're talking now about five, like three, five, ten billion dollar valuation companies. So a lot bigger where I typically invest. But because then the headlines, you obviously away. So, which and uh, generally people were saying that there is enough uh, dry capital by private on the sidelines in, within private equity funds that is getting deployed now. Maybe we can see similar in smaller on mi- mi- smaller mid cap P. It's possible. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm 
it just I, I just think that there's a lot of short termism amongst some management teams. Sometimes that's part of it because, you know, you're running a public company. Right. So you kind of do think quarter to quarter in some respects. So, I, you know, there's some of these companies that have been around in microcap land for so long. Kind of can't help but think it's like, all right, how much more do you really want to grind at this when maybe there might be a good strategic buyer out there that. I don't want to say put them out of their misery and <laughs> but there's there's some that I, I think would probably be thinking that way in a sense just it's, it's, look, it's, it's you possible know? you know career risk is real for management teams especially if they have a relatively small stake in the company themselves if they have a bigger stake so here's the thing as a shareholder so let's take a couple of examples and they're hypotheticals if there is a CEO of a company who started the company drew the company, took it public, owns 30% of the company shares, and then he goes and sells the company on December 30th, today. There is a press release, the game, hypothetical, saying that they're selling it at 50% premium to the most recent share price. In that example, and by the way, CEO is taking the cash and living, doing something else completely. In that situation, I would probably say this person is aligned with shareholders, and he took probably less than he would have taken a year ago or two years ago. He's very well informed. He's aligned. Most likely, he really thinks it's the best out. And he is doing what he believes is right for the company, what he is right for him as a shareholder, which by extension, right for other shareholders. That's one scenario. I will be supportive. I don't think it will be getting out of the misery. It's just making the right decision. Now, another example, CEO owns virtually zero shares in the company, sells the company same 50% premium to keep that variable constant, and that person will be staying with that company under the new owners. Maybe it's a bigger salary and bonus, maybe not. We don't know. Typically, those things are not disclosed. In that case, I would be a lot more disappointed because I would be viewing that that decision may or may not have been the right one for shareholders. I don't know the answer. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But because there is less alignment of incentives, you it's reasonable for a shareholder or potential shareholder or observer or any investor to ask those questions. And I think I, I think Bobby, like through this conversation, one of the constant themes that is evolving in our exchange of impressions about 2022 is it really emphasized the that certain investment criteria in the microcap land are very important to stick to. If you have built portfolio of microcaps that are not profitable and burning cash and regularly go to the market to raise more capital, it could have worked very well in 2020, 2021. Maybe I don't know. We need to look at data, but probably by 2022, you're paying the price. If you are investing in companies where management is not aligned with you as a shareholder, you may be paying the price right now. While if you avoid those, it's more likely, no guarantees, but it's more likely that management continues to do right things. And by right things, I mean making the best decisions given available external environment and given the information that is available at the moment. So I almost feel like years like this, they just emphasize the importance of certain fundamental principles of investing in microcap land. Absolutely. I mean, would you say, 
like I said, you take you take meetings with all these comp- with many many companies across the board, profitable ones, not profitable, pre-rev across the board. You know how how would you say your approach has changed throughout this year? Has it been this reversion to really just all right fundamentals? That's it. Like I we're in an environment that I can't look past that. You know, is that is that is that how has it changed or? Just a reminder. I think it reinforces those things. I don't think those fundamental criteria, I don't think they fundamental changed. Because I generally, and I'm sure there are exceptions, but generally, I would avoid a company where I believe there is not the right alignment of incentives in microcap land. So I generally have a preference for founder CEOs. I generally do not like companies that view public equity markets as their ATM machine at the local supermarket. Like, one example, meeting with a company several months ago, interesting business model. I like the industry. Their path to profitability is unclear. And as them, so guys, how do you think about capital markets and capital location and your profitability path forward? And the answer they gave me is very generic and inside is all very, very little, like, it's, I, I'm making numbers up right now because I don't remember exact numbers, but let's say it's 30 million market cap and all inside is own 3% of the company. So, come on, it's small, right? Look, I get it. If it's $5 billion company and see own 3%, I would say that's that's plenty, especially if that person is not a founder. Or it's a founder, but, you know, it's grown a lot, there is more capital on the way, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. But when it's so small, you're like, really? And that's why I on this question. And they tell me, well... We will be we will be trying to make optimal decisions, uh, blah blah blah, blah with the best shareholder interest in mind. I was like, okay, and, and I told them, do you want me to translate what you just said into investors' language? Like, sure. I said, well, we what you just said, in my opinion, is this: we will dilute everybody in the next two or three years, many times over. Uh, and like, eh. I was like, listen, I hope it's not the case because I re- I really want you to. Succeed. I, every company I meet with, regardless whether I invest or not, and whether I understand the business model and whether I say, like, yeah, that makes sense, or whether I say, I don't get it, I think it's a dumb idea. I want them to succeed because I think what they do is a lot harder than what people like me do. This, don't, get, don't get me wrong. I think what we do is also hard, especially in the year like 2020, too. But those people, they in real life operate and try to build businesses. That's different. So I want them to succeed because it's tough, right? But I will be probably watching that company and see whether my prediction turned out to be right. Or maybe they will surprise me to the positive. And if they did, you know, my belief in humanity will go up a little bit, which is also a nice thing. It's a very, I, I appreciate that approach, right? Like we want everybody to succeed. And and you're right, building a business and and don't discount how difficult what you, you're also building a business too, right? I mean, it, it's it's hard. And it's hard in any environment, whether it's in good times or bad. And, um, you know, now, now is a, it, it's just, it's just going to be a very interesting turn, right? I mean, the tenor is completely changed. You know, this isn't 2020 or 2021 anymore, where you can more or less throw a dart, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, in many respects. Um, so, I mean, going into 2023, what, what now is your approach? You know, are you, 
you know, we, we see on uh fin twit, you know, now is the best time to, you know, start doing the, do, you know, not start, but maybe revisiting some ideas that have just been completely beaten down or, you know, uh, really going into the lab and doing a ton more research. I mean, is, have you been doing some of those things? Do you expect to continue to, if yes, do you expect to continue to do that for 2023? And do you recommend folks to really, you know, look at some of these names that have been hit hard and what maybe are some, I'm asking like 10 questions, but you know, I'll start with that first one then. Like, no, it's more like 20. It's fine. I've been counting. It's more like 20. It was like uh, 20. Okay. okay. So before we got there, before okay. we got there, and I will okay. remember those questions. So I'm not avoiding that. But before we got, we got there, I thought I would share with you another observation. Oh, please. Let's go. Okay. Many companies that used to be not microcaps six months ago, 12 months ago, now are microcaps. Oh, I could name too many names on the list. All of them showed up on our index, <laughs> pretty much. Exactly. exactly. Quite a few. Which, by the way, probably good for your conference events. Now, there are more, a lot more companies that should be attending. Because before they would say, Bobby, we are a billion-dollar company. We're not microcap. We cannot come to your wonderful event. Those, those, sorry, those companies still think of themselves as not microcaps. It don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it does not matter. Let's be real. Maybe they should look in the mirror and see whether they are microcaps and whether they should attend your conference. Oh my god, I can, I can, I have so many stories of companies that I talk to that like they just they they just turn such a nose up at at micro caps when like even if they're just over three you know because we still define it as 300 million as the as the cap you know as a market cap uh you know level and then it goes to small cap you know they're they could be a 301 and they'll have such an attitude i'll tell you man i i got you know when anybody listening you know you catch me at the bar in vegas you know when we're when we got our event april 25 to 27 by the way um you know or uh or you know just hanging out I got so many stories of companies like, um, you know, we're at three, 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 10, three, 20 million market cap. Now um, we're not considered a micro cap. You know uh, we have, we have three institutions, you know, <laughs> we have three institutions and uh, you know, four analysts covering us and we're at three twenty. How dare you? You know, just like, oh, well, those fellows still may be covering them. Those institutions may or may not be shareholders anymore. Who knows? Uh, but uh, listen, come check out Bobby's conference, April 25 to 27 in Las Vegas, Planet Microcap. Be there. Be there, exactly. Artem will definitely be there too this year. I think. I think. Oh, man. Um, okay, so... Now, so- now, now let's back, go back to your questions, right? Okay. So about 2023. So this is how I think about it. Think about market pricing as providing you information about expectations of future results for the company, operating and financial. And it's true for companies of any cap size, whether it's uh, Amazon or whether it's small micro cap of 30 million. Probably more pronounced the micro cap level. And when those prices are very, very high, the expectations are very low. Again, let's go back to biotech as an industry because it's easy for me to talk about it because I don't really invest in biotech. So it's easy to use as an example because I don't need to come up with, with names because I don't know any names there. So imagine that all companies in the biotech space are priced in as if all of them will go through phase one, two, and three clinical trials and get approved. All of them priced in. 
So in that case, it's very difficult to really make money because if you just pick a basket, a bunch of them will fail because that's the nature of the business. Some will succeed, but you're not really getting paid enough because it's already priced in. Take another extreme, and I'm not saying it is right now. And again, I'm trying to illustrate using biotech, broader point about industries that I actually do invest in. And right now, almost all companies, imagine, imagine this, are priced in as if all of them will fail phase one, two, and three trial. Like, no way they will succeed. Expectations are low. That what means that's what leads to lower pricing by Mr. Market. And that will create opportunities for people like me, like you, to do our research and make our best judgment. It doesn't mean that we will be always right. And something that priced in as if it will not succeed, and we think it will, it may still not succeed. They still may not ship the product or release new software or win new customers or grow revenue, expand margins. So it's still possible. But the fishing pond is probably more compelling because expectations are low. And when expectations are low, it's more likely that a company that delivers on their vision and their plan and they grow revenue, they grow margins, they continue to generate cash and hopefully do something intelligent with that cash, it's more likely that they will surprise for the positive because it's very... Look, if I invite you for dinner, going back, and you assume that I will be cooking that dinner, which your expectations are very, very low, but then I say, Bobby is coming. Like, I need to impress him. We need to show him that San Francisco Bay is a fun place to be. And I get a Michelin uh, chef, don't hope it's an example, come to my place and cook for us. And it's an amazing meal. Guess what? I eat because the expectation was so low. I just beat them by big margin. So yep. there is a chance that companies that will be doing well, operational and financial, in 2023 will get rewarded. Because one of the challenges in 2022, based on my experience and the way I perceive things, was this. You invest in a company, whether you invested in 2020, 21, 22, doesn't matter. At some point, you invested in a company. And you still think valuation is reasonable, in your opinion. And the company is actually delivering and meeting their goalposts. They're meeting milestones. So you're tracking, like, yeah, I think the business is on track. They're doing, they're doing well. But market does not reward. So if you're like, gee, in your sh- I'm making this up. Your share price is flat for the entire year. Reasonable starting valuation was very reasonable. Your revenue is up 20%. Your operating income is up 25%. So it's a good, it's a good solid growth algo where your earnings profitability grows faster than your revenue. And the market doesn't really reward you for that. You're like, mm. so that feedback loop has been more difficult in 2022, because you feel that you're getting penalized for your mistakes, which every investor will make throughout their career, but you're not really getting rewarded in the share price, at least, for your right decisions. And that may change in 2023, because those companies that deliver will stand out, or it may not. We will see. We can mark our calendar and check on that on December 30th, 2023. Absolutely. That's a great point. You know, one other, and, and, and I, and I, I don't want to add more to that because I think how you just described that, I think is what everybody really should be listening to. Right. And, you know, especially as we're closing out here, looking ahead to 2023, I think that's, that's really, that's a really good place to end that. I have one other observation though, that I also realized mm-hmm. that I was, that I was seeing just this week. You know, and, and looking back at a few company announcements made that I hadn't following in a while, there's been a bit of CEO transition this year, quite a bit. 
I don't know if I don't know. I, I don't have any data or I, this is all anecdotally, but I don't know if you've noticed the same thing that there's been a there's been a bit more C management transition. Um maybe maybe even more in the latter half of 2022 um than I've noticed in a while. I don't know. I don't know if you've been seeing the same thing. I mean again, I'm just more speaking anecdotally. I don't know. Okay, nobody comes up in my head right. Okay, I remember one company. Okay, they may not attend your conference, Bobby, because they used to be not microcap. Now they're microcap. And I think there was a CEO transition there recently, I think. What I don't what I don't recall very well whether the old CEO just became executive chairman and their CFO got promoted to CEO, or whether the former CEO actually completely is out of the picture. So that's the only one that pops up in my head. But remember, you have probably broader sample size, so your observations is definitely valid. I think CFO departures, I feel like those were quite common. So those, I have a couple of examples that popping up in my head. And uh, you look and, and look, when CFO departs, first of all, as an investor, you always try, try to figure out what does it mean. Does it mean that CFO is not satisfied with the quality of reporting and the quality of the books and its potential accounting red flag? Or it means that CFO believes that the company has no future because they have seen the numbers and know them better than CEO. And they just like, I need to save my career. I'm going somewhere else. Or alternatively, CEO decides that I cannot work with the CFO anymore. The CFO is not delivering on their internal promises. Like forecasting is out of whack, budgeting is out of whack, and then I cannot deliver on my guidance that I gave to investors a quarter ago or six months ago, whatever the case can be. Because think about it. If CFO cannot deliver on good, solid internal forecasting, they cannot deliver on internal budgeting. And then there is no way, if your forecasting is wrong and your budgeting is wrong, there is no way you can give a guidance that you're going to need. It's impossible. There are two inputs, right? And both of them are must stop. Then your guidance will be a joke. And sadly, generally, people are too optimistic. Okay, maybe it's not too sad. Actually, probably it's better for humanity that we as human beings are more optimistic than pessimistic. But in financial markets, that results in probably missing guidance, not delivering all the milestones that were previously communicated to investors. So that's another reason why CFO will be departing. So, and you always try to like, figure out what happened in, and you read every line in a very short press release on 8K, like five lines, and you try to read what it means. Like, and try to decode. Yeah, I just, I think that's actually, I, I don't know, because I've, I've seen it come up, it's seemingly quite more frequently. It, it feels like in the last like three to four or five months. I don't know, I feel like that's might be something else to watch for 2023. I mean, it kind of falls in line with this idea of like, 2023 is the year of execution. Like we have to execute whatever the heck that means for each company, right? But at the same time, it's like, all right, well, yeah, that makes more sense, right? If they're just not executing, there's a good chance that you're going to see a lot more management transition in microcaps. I, just, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessary. Just just a potential thing to put yeah, out it's, there. It's possible. Look, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's entirely possible. And I think between two of us, we can come up with a few examples that definitely back up your hypothesis. So I think it's a very valid one. Uh, oh, by the way, another thing, which 
I've seen it, but I think I've seen it only a little bit. Have you seen many microcap activists going activist on microcaps or getting involved? Maybe they maybe they have not written a very angry letter, but they would file and say, "Hey, we're filing 13D, and now we have 4.9 stake or 5.2 percent stake, whatever the case can be." I'm racking my brain and there's been a couple, but it's funny. I feel like it's been, it was more active in 2020 and 2021 than it was this year, which is interesting because you would think maybe there would be more in an, in an environment like this, but maybe it's more of like, all right, everything's getting killed. Nobody is that. So why, why should we, why is now the time to go activist? Like, it's almost like you should go activist when everything is great and they're not executing. Like what the heck? Why? You know, and there's value here. So I, there's a few that come to mind, but in, in in the few conversations I've had with those companies, every time management teams like, yeah, it, it's grounded in nothing. It makes no sense. And yeah, most management teams usually would say that anyway. But um, but but I I don't know. I seem to side more with management team in that in 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 those conversations that I've had. Um, Interesting. That's an interesting question. I'm going to think more about that, but I, it, it's it, at least in, from what I've seen, it's been a little bit less than it was in, in in more recent years. I don't know. Do you see the same thing? Probably. I think there is another input though, Bobby, that you'll give input number one. It's more difficult for an activist investor to criticize the company and point to their shortcomings when the external environment is challenging. Yeah. But I think there may be another reason. Talk it's possible. I'm not saying this is the case, but it's very possible that many investors are very busy with doing analysis on something that dropped 40, 50, 60, 70, pick the number in price and figuring out whether there is value there or not versus adding another layer of complexity to, to their process and spending a lot of time and man hours and resources going activists from the company. So I think maybe many activists are just busy with doing, you know, non-activist research and analysis. And also, if you got to you think to yourself, do I really want to go activist on a company when we're, you know, let, let's say they're like, okay, we've identified an opportunity that we still think we can realize more value in this challenging environment. There you go. Now you're saying, all right, now I'm taking on this, this, this whole project and and I'm in a challenge. It's almost like you're setting yourself up for failure right now. You know, it's, it's like, not. why why even put yourself out there? You know, like wait till the wait till things improve. If that company's still not executing, and there is for sure some value to recognize. Like, why not just wait? I'm sure there's ten other oppor- Like, I'm sure there's ten to twenty other ideas you could be looking at right now. Where you'd be like, yeah. All right, I'd much rather put my time there. Yep, yep, yep. No, that's an excellent point. I agree. Oh, by the way, another trend. Okay, not a trend, observation, theme, pattern, right? Sure. Uh, have you seen a lot of companies doing buybacks in microcap land? Here and there? I don't know. Have you? Okay. Uh, look, it's a lot. I, I, my perception is that I'm seeing a higher number. Hmm of companies announcing buybacks than, let's say, a year or a year and a half ago. Again, small sample size, right? Uh, and some of those buybacks... Okay, so buybacks are not 
not all buybacks are born equal. So there is a spectrum. So the worst buyback is this. Announce a buyback, which is very sizable, and then a quarter goes by and people are waiting for your queue to get filed and see how many shares you bought, and the answer is zero. Sorry, didn't you make an 8K and press release saying that your board of directors authorized share buyback up to blah, 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 kill on the numbers? Yeah, you go check. Yeah, there was 8K. I'm not delusional. I read it. I, I, and how many did you, chance, did you guys uh, buy shares? Oh, zero. Awesome. So that's the worst, right? So you really feel that it was really just for optics. Oh, we're shareholder friendly. We'll do buyback. So that's one scenario. And another scenario, which I view as positive, announce a small modest share buyback, nothing grand, not like we'll buy up to 25% of our shares. No, announce modest. Then quarter two goes by, done, executed, bought back. Even though it was small, but it builds a lot of credibility. They announced, they did it. So next time, when, if and when, we don't know, but if they do it, again, that announcement, I would be reasonably believing that it's more likely that they will execute on that again, because there is this pride pattern of behavior. And then the third one is actually when you go and announce a sizable share buyback and then you actually go execute. So one of the companies I follow announced buyback very, very recently. And I would be very curious to see when they file, it probably will be Q1 2023 when they will file. So they will file probably in April or May for the Q1 2023 when we will see the first numbers because it was very, very uh, late in the year when the announcement was made. It was like, feels to me, pretty sizable buyback. So that will be interesting to see. And again, this is going back to what management teams are doing. And remember, I talked about there are some companies, like again, happy microcap companies are happy in the same way. Growing revenue, making money, doing something good with the cash. So that's the camp. They announced buyback. Let's see what they do. Yeah. All right, Artem. I'm gonna. We're almost. I, I do have to close out at some point, even though I mean, mean hey, you, you, markets you, are closed, man. Otherwise, listen, markets are closed. We could talk. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got no plans. We're, I'm, I'm not on vacation. We can hang out and do, do this all day. But I got one. I got a two part big question for you. Okay. If you're okay. willing to answer, are you ready for it? Okay. You, and so, okay. Who would you say, in your opinion, has been the biggest winner? And loser, if you want to answer that, for 2022 in microcap land. And this can be, you don't have to name the company specific, but it could be company, investor, whatever, just in microcap in general, or it can be an idea associated with microcap. There you go. Good question. Hard to answer. So I will be thinking out loud mostly. I remember in 2021, there were a lot of companies that were attending various investor conferences that were in uh, cryptocurrency mining. And I don't see them attending as many conferences these days. So that's another thing that I feel changed a lot. So, but Picking up big winners and losers, look, it's hard, right? And I'd rather pick a winner 
rather than point out someone or some or something or a company or a trend they didn't do very very well. Winners, whom can whom can we praise? Look, honestly, any company. Okay, we'll keep it broad enough so that companies and if people. If we have endless, if we have to be, there's a bit of politics here. You know, we have we have various constituents that we, you know. So I understand if we gotta like, be somewhat careful. I think any company in microcap land that cool that for 2022 calendar would report 15% plus revenue growth and expanded like a rating income margin should be viewing themselves as winners. Organically. 15 plus organically. If they did a big M&A, that's different. I think they should feel very, very good about themselves. And honestly, if their business is growing less, but profitability is improving a, bit, a lot more, so they may not fit this very artificial make-up, made-up criteria, they still should feel like winners. They do well, they're delivering their products or service, and their customers are vote, uh, voting with their votes. So that's probably will be my very polite, very broad answer. I like it. All right. I'm trying to, I, while you were saying this, I was trying to think of mine. Um, yeah, well, what is Bobby? Who, in your opinion, is the biggest winner and biggest loser in 2023? I think biggest winner for 2022. <laughs> the biggest winner, I would probably say, are the folks that kept the meaningful amount of cash on the sideline in okay. in advance of uh, just in seeing it early, seeing the trend early that we're about to go in this risk off environment, knew that rates were going to have to go up understood that the, and cashed out at peaks not not fully but just yep. had have a meaningful bit of cash and the time to do the research because i think the biggest winners of 2023 will be um the individual stock pickers not not yeah folks will always put money in index and you know it's, they want that exposure or whatever but i think the bigger winners are going to be the folks that will be deploying capital throughout 2023 in individual names i i think um biggest losers or just like kind of the, the losing trend was i guess just being in being in in industries or in sectors that just um you know, there isn't any sort of federal regulation. I mean, it's a nuclear winter in cannabis, crypto, you know, we don't have to say anything more there. Um, just those those industries that are still not mature yet in, in environments like these are just going to get rocked, you know, and unfortunately it's going to rock some investors that had exposures to them as well. So I'd say that that's probably the biggest, you know, I don't even say loser, just disappointment. Right, um, in in my opinion, from what from what I've seen this year, um, and uh, and I, and I agree a lot with what you're saying is that you know folks that have because almost every investor, even if you're fundamental, I mean everybody, everybody almost across the board. You look at every investor letter; everyone's down on the year um, or going prob most likely yeah. going to be down for the year. Um, 
you know, obviously it's a matter of trying to be a little less down than maybe somebody else, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that maybe could be considered a win, uh, in some respect. <laughs> right. Um, but I, but I think it's been, I think also on the company side is management teams putting their, you know, talking the really walking the walk now. No more, like you, you can almost kind of give a pass in 2022. You don't want to, but in some senses you can be like, all right, you're saying that this is going to be your plan. This is how you're going to do things. This is okay. 2023 year of execution. Do it. So, well, going back to this idea of 2023 is the year of execution. Do you want to officially call it 2023 the year of execution? I don't just know. Like- Pulled it like on the, you know, if your conference April 25, 27, just like 2023, the year of execution. Well, it's like the year of, of, of (laughs) hopeful execution, right? I guess that's really what it should be. Not, not necessarily the year of execution because guaranteed, you know, almost, you know, not every company is going to execute on what their plan for 2023 is going to be. Um, whatever, as you said, you know, what, what does execution even mean or, or, quality execution but i think that 2023 you know a lot that again this has been mostly what every company is telling me you know in terms of what their strategy is now moving forward it's not necessarily like oh we delivered in 2022 now it's our time to go out into capital markets tell our story and do this it's more like yeah bobby we're coming to you to talk to you to tell you what our plan for 2023 is going to (laughs) be and how we're going to deliver on that execution plan whatever it is right like that that's That's why I say 2023 seems to be the going. That's why it feels like that's the going phrase. Okay, so Bobby, on execution, right? This idea of 2023, the year of execution. Let's think about it. Yes. Put aside stock prices. Put aside market. Yeah. Yeah. 2022. So, So far, I think most companies have not seen massive headwinds. Operational. I'm talking about purely operational. Operational, I mean like number of customers, revenue per customer, revenue per order, revenue per whatever they're selling, sure. depending on their unit economics and industry. We haven't seen, I think, as many negative elements for those companies operational and fundamental. Now, some industries probably more so, but overall, I think it has been relatively modest. Consumer, people talk about consumer getting weaker. It's probably more of a phenomenon of the last few months. I'm not sure it was as much front and center, let's say in March or April. So the companies were operating in a relatively good environment. Uh, now, m- most microcaps are not, not exposed to foreign currency fluctuations. So foreign currency, for example, I one company out there, they derive substantial amount of their revenue from overseas. It's a microcap company. They should also attend your conference. So uh, because it's a good one. So, but they do derive, despite small size, they derive a good chunk of their revenue internationally. So when Euro and British pound, we can very significantly versus US dollar. Of course, they reported results would look not as impressive because all of a sudden you just wiped out 8 or 10%, 8 or 10 percentage points of your growth. You grew in euros from 100 to 120, for example, 
but because of effects, you're actually reporting that you grew up one way. So numbers again, examples. So they're rough numbers. So that's a real headwind, real headwind. And remember also your cost may be mostly in USD. So then you're taking a double hit. But it's pretty rare in microcaps. Generally, when I talk to microcaps, their revenue exposure, their foreign currency exposure is pretty straightforward. US dollars, that's all. So, so when they talk about 2023's day of execution, I almost think that they're reacting to the message that they think their stock price is sending them. Oh, stock, stock price is low. I need to execute. While it's not like, oh, 2022 was so difficult from the execution perspective. Customers are cutting budgets. Sales cycle are extending if it's B2B business. So, and then say, okay, 2023, you know, we will change our go-to-market strategy. We will change our pricing. We'll bundle or unbundle because there are two ways to make money. First through bundling, then through unbundling. So depending on which stage they're at, they're coming up with all those ideas. So I almost think that they're reacting to the share price as opposed to what they've been seeing fundamentally and operationally throughout 2022. Do you also think, though, that... And, and we're getting super long with it. Okay, so... But, but like... This is this is and, and I and I talked about this in a recent interview that there have been, you know, there many companies were still dealing with supply chain issues mm-hmm. 2021 through 2022, right? So that had a significant I, I mean almost across mm-hmm. the board, like in every single, you know, queue in their press release, you know, any company that underperformed or had, you know, Q over Q, they underperformed or year over year, Q, Q, you know, it, almost every single one, there was a paragraph or a sentence in there about supply chain issues, right? And and I and I do think there might be some merit to the idea that yes. there was some supply chain issues and now 20 like oh we figured it out now. Like 2022 it took longer than expected we figured it out. Now we're going to see things change. You know, and that that's something that I could I, I would be willing to give a little bit of merit to. That part anything supply chain related? Yeah. Whether lower sales we cannot get enough product or low margins. We could get product, but we need to pay for air freight as opposed to ocean shipping. And that obviously more expensive than I, I remember once I was speaking with a company and they were saying, well, we're changing. It was a few years ago before supply chain really broke down. And they were talking about how they will be shipping their product to Europe, let's say, via ocean versus uh, air freight and ask them about roughly price differential and they give like vague numbers kind of more like oh it's a matter of magnitude blah 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 right so i was like wow that's a lot cheaper next time when i go to europe i will probably take that shit and they're like trust me you don't want to do that so so anything shipping related supply chain related yes that's a genuine headwind 100 like 100 now uh, the companies that are doing this better they are saying, again, numbers all happen. And by the way, example in my head is not a microcap, it's you know, like mid-cap company. They were very, very specific in their communication with investors and their press releases and earnings calls. They're saying that this is our revenue, this is our operating income, and that operating income has this number of dollars of extra shipping charges because we need to pay for effort. That's more expensive. However, we believe that it will be rolling off in 2023. So that's a good way to communicate. If you're just saying like, ah, our margin is down because of supply chain issues, like tell me more, explain. 
Is it shipping? Is it shortages? Are you paying more for, again, making up for chips that need to go into your some hardware device? Like, tell me more how you're impacted. Don't blame everything on supply chain without giving details. Mm-hmm. Or in another one that was more early for 2022. So Omicron, I believe, was officially announced, if I'm not mistaken, on Friday after Thanksgiving in 2021. And then Omicron went throughout probably the country through the first during the first months of 2022. And my companies were like, oh, because of Omicron. Okay, explain to me how exactly another spike of the Omicron virus in early 2022 impacted you? Is it like people not coming to your store if it's a physical business or people staying at home or like, like tell me more. So that's a lot. I guess the point is this. If you, if you as a CFO or CEO of a company pointing out to a certain external factors ahead of you and you want investors to be giving you leeway on that and want to be sympathetic, you need to explain more than just pointing out something which is obvious. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a, that's such a good point. Um, all right. Well, I think I think we're we're sorry. I had a joke. No, don't why. No, no, no. You know, not open until January third, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had. But, a, but we can keep going until January third. Yeah, this is true. Actually, it's funny. I had a joke going through my head of like I remember when supply chain became the biggest excuse, and there was quite a few uh, supply chain technology, you know companies like oh we have the solution I, I don't think any of them are around anymore um <laughs> so we can't even you can't even rely on like these new technologies that are going to supply all you know solve all these issues it's more just like you know how we were doing things needs to just get solved but anyways artem i think we're pretty much there you know before i let you go and uh give more information on uh you know where people can go follow you get in touch with you you know what is your if you had to make one big 2023 prediction what would it be Oh, boy. Uh, I don't think I want to make predictions. What I would probably want to say, though, is two things. Number one, we don't know what the future holds. Keep refining. Whoever is watching this among investors, myself included, we need to be constantly refining our process and improving it. And... uh, Sometimes it's a lesson that we need to take and incorporate. Sometimes it's more of a reminder that the fundamentals and core principles that you have in place, they're there for a reason. Because I can see how some fundamental investors who really want profitability, right? No risk of massive dilution, et cetera, et cetera. May have been seeing some of the microcap companies in 2020 that were going like this, like on a, some vague idea of some breakthrough technology in 2035. And like, gee, that was a great stock price chart that I never would have invested for the reasons because it doesn't meet your fundamental criteria. So yes, like this, I reminded that those criteria are there for you. So focus on the process. That's the bottom line of point number one. And point number two, I just wish everybody very happy, healthy, and profitable 2023. That's a, that. You know what? I'm right there with you. Everybody listening, happy and a healthy 2023. Be diligent. Be careful. And then just come see us in Vegas. All right? That's really April 25 it. through 27. 
That's right. Artem's going to be there. Our whole crew's going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great networking. It's going to be a good time. But Artem, with that, where can our audience go and find more information? Uh, you can go on my LinkedIn, Artem Flokin. Uh, that's pretty easy. I, I'm not really active on Twitter, so I know many people are. I don't really tweet. So that's the place to find more about me. Very good. Well, Artem, happy and a healthy new year to you and your family. Um, you know, we, we love you and we always appreciate you. And uh, thank you for taking some time here to to go through a few, uh, a few observations that we had and some potential trends and all that jazz. So Artem, thank you. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you in the new year. Thank you, Bobby. See you in 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Podcast.